0: Well, Welcome to Quantum number 287, Quantum, the podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world. Uh, we try every week to at least bring you at least one thing from the different continents, covering many different subjects and uh, talking about lots of different things, including music, politics, ethics, and so on. Doing so from a Christian perspective, but open to all and extremely keen To get feedback I I think uh, we've got some really interesting stuff for you this week Uh, But I've been working through uh, Spotify very helpfully sent me a list of the top 100 songs I'd listened to in 2023 At least up until December I think uh, The beginning of December And this was number 90 from the 60s Jefferson Airplanes White Rabbit, of course, and somehow again, I think that'd be such a great theme tune for this podcast because it kind of exemplifies the craziness that seems to be going on in so many places. Well, on our creation science and technology, um, just to mention a couple of things the Icelandic volcano. ...approaching the town of Grindavík. Already taken, I think, five homes. Just slowly going through it. Uh, Nobody, Thankfully nobody injured. They've had plenty of time to get out. But what I didn't know was that Iceland has 33 active volcano systems and has had five volcano eruptions in five years. Beautiful place. Not sure I want to live there. Um, I also found this really amusing. Climate change has been named as the children's word of the year by Oxford University Press. When more than 3,000 children aged 6 to 14 were asked for the word of the year, the most common responses were climate change, war and coronation. In a subsequent poll of 1,000 children, climate change was chosen by 33%. Children said the word makes them feel sad, scared and worried. Well, I'm reading a book by West called The Grip of Culture, looking at climate catastrophism and especially the indoctrination of children. But what amuses me about that is Oxford University Press have asked for a word of the year. Climate change is not a word. At least it's not one word. And then going to South America, uh, we're well aware of the Suez Canal in the news at the moment. But what you may not be aware is that in South America, it's, uh, the Panama Canal carries a huge amount of the world's trade as well. Is in a bit of trouble because of severe drought last year. Uh, It's hit Panama and it means that there's a traffic jam of boats and they reckon they're gonna lose between five and seven hundred million dollars this coming year. Um, The reliability of international shipping is being questioned at the two most important ports in the world. We are playing a lot of music this today so i I don't have so many clips with things but i did want to do a country of the week and it uh, well let me play you their national anthem and see if you can guess who it is That is the Danish national anthem. Actually, the Danes have two national anthems uh, but that's the one that's most usually sung Uh, in Danish, in English rather, there's a beautiful country, it stands with wide beaches as in the trees, neither salty eastern beaches, it bays in the back and valley, it's called Old Denmark and in it is Freya's Hall and so on. Denmark is just a fabulous country. I've visited Denmark, I love Denmark, love Danish history. Danish food, Danish films, Danish writing, Danish bacon. (laughs) So many good things about Denmark. Still today, professing 75% Christian, 5% Islam. It's 43,000 square kilometres, and as we measure everything by Scotland, that's half the size of Scotland, with slightly more of a population than Scotland. 6 million people. It has an enormously high standard of living. It's the ninth highest GDP per capita in the world. Um, What I had forgotten actually is, just when I was looking at this, is the Danes don't take the euro. Good for them. They still have kept the krona. The capital is Copenhagen. Um, I have loved visiting Copenhagen. Uh, It's just a a fabulous city. I visited in my uh, hitchhiking days when we went to the the Freistadt, which is the, was the hippie commune, I think it's been closed down since then because of all the drug dealing. Um, why is Denmark considered one of the happiest countries in the world? Um, great education system, great healthcare system, low level of income inequality, and people in Denmark feel responsible for social welfare. There is a high taxation rate, but most healthcare is free, university tuition is free, Students get grants or subsidised health care and old people get pensions and care helpers. I could live with that. I think there's another reason. 86% of the population are Danes. It's funny, all the people who go on about the, the Scandinavian countries as these social democratic, progressive, ideal societies, they always miss out on one key factor – that they are largely homogenous. It's fascinating. The Scottish commentator Leslie Riddick has just brought out a film about Denmark. And what she doesn't, and she won't answer this, I've asked her several times, because Denmark to her is just the country to be. But Denmark has the strictest immigration policy in Europe, and that's both left-wing and right-wing Um, There's zero asylum seekers. Uh, People are just basically, if people come from Syria, send them back to Syria. The claims for asylum seeking should be sorted somewhere else. Um, This is the kind of claim that if you make it in the UK or the US or Australia, well, not so much Australia, you're considered to be far right. Denmark, polite and progressive, is profoundly skeptical of asylum seekers. Um... The Prime Minister Meta Fredriksson of the centre left Social Democrats has said that they want zero people arriving in Denmark outside the UN resettlement system. <laughs> wow. They are already threatening settled refugees with deportation to Syria. Um, extraordinary. It really is actually extraordinary. What can we say about Danish culture? There's so much. I mean, what do you think of? You think of Hans Christian Andersen. Um, There's other famous Danes we'll mention. But when I think of Danish culture, I think of this film, which in any list I would make would always be in my top 10. You must know this.
2: Slashing,
0: that is the wonderful Babette's Feast. Um, I, I would plead with you if you haven't seen it, see it, find it. It's on, I think it's on Netflix actually, but it'd be other places as well, you know. It's one of the most beautiful films. It's in Danish. Subtitles, of course. Um, it tells the story of a Jutland hamlet, which is extremely Lutheran. It reminds you, uh, for those who know the Scottish West Highlands of 50 years ago, perhaps remind you of that. And it tells a story that leads two elderly daughters of a pious pastor taking on as their cook a Parisian who until the revolution was one of the city's most celebrated chefs. It is a beautifully filmed, beautifully acted piece. And from a gospel perspective, it's one of the most gospel-centred films I've ever known. Just fabulous. Uh, Maybe I should say a little bit more about the church. The membership percentage, although it's 75% of the Church of Denmark, uh, it's been in decline because fewer newborns are being baptised into it and only 3% of the population regularly attend Sunday services and only 19% of Danes consider religion to be an important part of their lives. However, I have preached in a Danish church and there are some fine evangelical Danish churches. Other famous Danes, Hans Christian Andersen, I mentioned already, Søren Kierkegaard, uh, the philosopher, Christian, thinker, theologian. Niels Bohr, or Niels Bohr, founder of modern physics. Scarlett Johansson, the actress. And Lars Ulrich of Metallica. Now normally I would take the opportunity to play a Metallica song at this stage, but I think we'll leave that till later on. Um, whilst we're still on politics, let's move away from Denmark. And let's think about democracy. Uh I mentioned there was going to be around 60 elections this year. The Taiwanese one has been and gone. And William Lai, the least China-friendly one, was being elected. Watch this space. In Bangladesh, the ruling Awami party won with 76% of the vote. This was an election on the 6th of January. But the main opposition parties boycotted and only 40% of people voted. Coming up on February the 7th, Azerbaijan will hold its election. Ilyam Aliyev will be re-elected. We know that last time he got 86% of the vote. In 2013, he even announced the result of the election before a vote had been cast in what he called a technical mistake. I'm not a gambling man, but if I was gambling, I would suggest that Vladimir Putin is pretty certain to win the Russian election in March. Um, this is my favorite election story, though. Uh, in 2009, Kim Jong il won 99.99% of the vote. Only problem is that the turnout was 99.98%. So he actually had more people vote for him than, than voted. And even if it was 99.9%, I wonder who this 0.01% who voted against him because no one was allowed to vote against him. There's no one else on the ballot. Speaking of ballots, I know a lot of you in the United States are listening to this and, you know, we'll hear plenty about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I did watch the Iowa election results come in. I'm an election geek uh, and the Americans do all the the stats probably better than anyone else. Uh, Trump had a resounding win and unless something remarkable happens, he's almost certain to be the nominee which I think is good news for Joe Biden, in that it pretty well guarantees that he'll end up being against him, it's the, but it's the only chance, I think, that Biden has of winning. But we shall see. Right, my number 89 song. I am also 100% certain that Neil Young would not have sung this about Donald Trump. But here's a bit of Heart of Gold.
3: I want to kill
0: Fascinating clip from John Cleese.
2: I believe in liberal democracy.
0: Now I know a lot of people say that
2: a liberalism has failed, and I say no, liberalism hasn't failed. Human nature has failed. There is no plan, no constitution, no set of rules that we human beings can't f- up. As Winston Churchill said, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. Now, the essence of a liberal democracy is that people with different points of view discuss things and then, we hope, in an ideal world, some consensus emerges that can be acted on. But the woke say, no, we're not prepared to discuss our ideas because we're right. And if we start discussing them, people might suspect there is another point of view. I don't think that's a very constructive attitude. It works. I mean, at least it worked for Pol Pot. It's called authoritarianism. Now, the woke aren't throwing people into prisons, but they are having them thrown out of their jobs. It's the same authoritarian impulse.
0: Now, I think he makes a really important point. However, there's an inconsistency, and I played that because this is part of the confusion in modern society. He says, liberalism hasn't failed, it's human nature that's failed. Yes, but that's the point. Liberalism is a system that involves humans, and if your system cannot take into account the depravity of human nature, then it will fail. But he is right about the authoritarianism. I think liberalism works, in its best sense, if it has Christian foundations. But without Christian foundation, liberalism bizarrely becomes authoritarian. Okay, uh, I think in that regard, uh, it seems Elon Musk is slowly beginning to realise this. Um, someone called Zuby Zubi Music said, I don't think I've ever said this publicly and directly, but I think the West is absolutely screwed if it loses Christianity. Explaining this in full would require an entire book, but I've thought about it over the years and reached this conclusion. And Musk responded to that by saying... I think you're probably right. Yeah, they're beginning to see it. All right, I've only got one medical thing this week, and you may think this is not medicine, but it is. It's to do with coffee. I came across these five facts to do with coffee, or is it six? Um, I'll just list them for you. According to Ethiopian legend, the first beings to get coffee were a herd of goats who nibbled on the fruit of a coffee shrub, and a quick goat herder named Kaldi quickly followed their lead. Um, well, maybe maybe, or maybe not, that's where coffee came from. Coffee was once thought to be unhealthy and possibly dangerous. I remember being in hospital and being told I, I shouldn't drink 10 cups per day. But researchers have now found that people who drink moderate amounts of coffee, about 2 to 5 cups, that's now me, have lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes, Parkinson's disease, heart disease and some cancers. This is not because of the caffeine, but because of the polyphenols, a plant compound found in coffee that works as an antioxidant. At least three Italian inventors played a role in creating espresso. Angelo Moriondo was the first because he patented a steam machinery for the economic and instantaneous confection of coffee beverage, but it could only brew large batches. So two decades later, this was in 1884, Luigi Bezzera created his own espresso machine, which cut it down to just 30 seconds. Better when you're on a coffee break. And the inventor Desirado Bavoni uh, reworked the machine and they sold it as the Caffè Espresso in the 1906 World Fair in Milan. Italian Italy is called the world's coffee capital. The term Cappuccino uh, it's a drink made from espresso and steamed milk, gets its name from a 16th sixteenth 16th century order of Italian monks, the Cappuccine Friars. And then this one, I love this one. Uh, adding a little cream to your cup of coffee can improve the flavour and it keeps it warmer longer because some food scientists believe that coffee with cream cools about 20% slower than plain black coffee thanks to three rules of physics. Darker colours emit heat faster than lighter colours. Hotter surfaces also radiate heat faster. And cream thickens coffee, making a steaming cup evaporate more slowly. There you go. Alright, my number 88 song from last year. Just I I don't understand how this song does not have hundreds of millions of views. It's one of the greatest songs ever. Uh, Again, from a Christian perspective, it's fabulous. When Love Comes to Town from U2 and BB King. Okay, let's just say a little bit about sport. Uh, this is horrific. The Turks have arrested an Israeli footballer, Sagiv Yehekal, who wore an armband which said 100 days, 710. Talking about the attacks on Jews on the 7th of October. This has been classed as rid to hatred. His club, Antal Yaspor, have sacked him because he's acting against the values of our country. Meanwhile, Israel has been banned from the World Ice Hockey Championships. Gary Lineker tweeted about them being banned from football. Strange, Mr. Lineker didn't tweet about Qatar being banned from football. But then, that could be something to do with Qatar paid him $1.2 million. And then, this is horrific. Cricket South Africa took away their under-19 men's captain... David Teeger, because he's Jewish, and they took that away because having his captain could involve, result in conflict or even violence. Anti Semitism going strong. All right, it's the 50th anniversary, speaking of culture, of this.
1: They stayed only a few hours. When they had gone, a community which had lived for a thousand years, was dead. This is Avedour-sur-Glane in France. The day the soldiers came, the people were gathered together. The men were taken to garages and barns. The women and children were led down this road. The people were gathered together. The men were taken to garages and barns. The women and children were led down this road, and they were driven into this church. Here they heard the firing as their men were shot. Then they were killed too. A few weeks later, many of those who had done the killing were themselves dead. In battle. They never rebuilt Oradur. Its ruins are a memorial. Its martyrdom stands for thousand upon thousand of other martyrdoms in Poland, in Russia, in Burma, in China, in a world at war.
0: That is The World at War, the greatest, in my view, the greatest documentary series ever uh, done. I'm amazed that um, the rest is history, guys. Maybe Tom Holland's seen it before, but um, Dominic Sandbrook hadn't. I'm amazed they've never seen it before. Uh, that opening of Overduce Your Glen, uh, I visited that place and the impact of it will always remain with me. Incredible. Right, I'm not going to say anything about gender and sexuality this week. Instead, I'm going to play a little bit of my number 87 song. This is Dire Straits. I think if it was watched, it would probably be my number one because Alchemy Live is the bit. I'm just going to play you a bit of it. can't play you anywhere near all of it because it's over 10 minutes, but enjoy. And then, uh, as we go on, um, just in in terms of history, this is a clip from BBC Today, no, BBC BBC Sunday, um, and it's a a Vox Pop in regard to people regarding religion negatively. Listen to this. I think more good than harm, really, from from my perspective. Very recently
1: decided it does more good. Uh, Just some of the people I've met, actually, around here who
2: are involved in
3: church groups and things, and, and they do. Yeah, they, they do a lot
2: good. They sort of force it down your throat or anything, they're, they're very good. More harm than good. Why? Well, most wars are started by religion, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been since the dawn of time? <laughs> yeah, Oh, so too many governments use it to their own ends, really, and uh, it's just uh, another thing to divide
0: people. Now, there you have someone repeating a myth, which is so easily debunked it's astonishing that people still repeat it. But religion does more harm than good. More wa- most wars are started by religion, quite frankly. Well, quite frankly, no. That's entirely wrong. Um, there are religions who had... There are wars, rather, that had religion as the prime cause. But uh, Charles Phillips and Alex Alan Axelrod, in a, in a, a very well-publicized book, the Encyclopedia of Wars, uh, they document the history of recorded warfare, and from their list of 1700, 1763 wars, only 123 have been classified to involve a religious cause So that's less than 7% of all wars and less than 2% of all people killed in warfare. It's just not historically true that religion is the major cause of conflict. And we have to keep repeating that. Uh, By the way, on that program, an imam said that religion was the primary means of helping us live a decent life. Now, speaking of that, I just, for repeating myths, and, and, and Dawkins feeds this Miss Richard Dawkins. Uh, here is Richard Dawkins with an, an incredible statement on a wonderful interview by Alex Connor, who's an atheist, but who manages to expose Dawkins in a quite remarkable way.
2: Who's the most formidable debate opponent that you have had in your career that you can think of now on this question of God's existence? I don't think there are any. (laughs) Um,
0: No point in a debate where you're sat there getting ready to get up and give your 10 minute rebuttal while they're speaking, writing your notes and thinking, oh, gosh, what am I going to say to that? That's
2: a fair point. Don't think so. I I don't want to sound arrogant. It's not that I've got great points. It's just that I don't think there are any good points to be made. I mean, the sort of professional debaters on behalf of religion, people like William Craig, I have no time for him. I mean, he's got this sort of loud, rather pompous voice. He says, premise one, deduction two, and things like that. And the audience, I suppose, (laughs) is supposed to be impressed. I feel such contempt for him because of what he says about the Israelites slaughtering the Midianites. Instead of saying what any decent theologian would say, well, it never happened. This is just Old Testament story. He says, well, the Midianites had it coming because they were so sinful. And then if you worry about the Midianite children who had their brains beaten out of them, that's okay because they went straight to heaven. That finished him off as far as I was concerned.
0: You know, I was reminded of St Augustine, I was reading this, that before his conversion, he often felt his spirit swell with offence and contempt of the gospel and said he scorned to become a child again. Well, Dawkins is like that. He, he's so arrogant. You know, he refused to debate me. I wrote a book, The Dawkins Letters. It was a best-selling book against his position. Um, his own website editor said it was the best of the anti-Dawkins books. He would refuse to debate me because he said, I wasn't the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Pope or the Chief Rabbi. But of course, he thinks there's nothing to debate. And that's just sheer arrogance. So, take that example. He gives the example of the Midianites. Now, that's a difficult question. I don't have time to discuss that just now, but we will come back to it. But there is an answer. But Dawkins' answer on that same subject, listen to this. The total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. And he goes on about, describes it. And then he says this. This is Dawkins' answer. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication Some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing, but pitiless indifference. That's that river out of Eden. So Dawkins is in reality saying it doesn't matter if children get killed. Just the way it is. Some people get lucky. There is no good. There is no evil. There is no purpose. It's just pitiless indifference. I much prefer the God of the Bible who is love and justice in a world that's messed up than Dawkins just saying that's the way it is. Speaking of which, this probably is going to be a bit longer than usual because I do want to play you this. Uh, Dawkins boasted nobody. he He had no answers. People didn't have answers to him. Well, you judge for yourself. This is a clip from a time he came to a talk I gave in Stornoway, and he actually asked a question. Now, I was shocked that he was there. I didn't know he was there until he asked the question. But this is the question and answer.
3: When you say you boarded the plane with faith in the pilots, I'm (laughs) delighted to say, by the way, they were both women pilots. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you said that you you had faith that, that there were good pilots and that the plane would work and so on, that's not faith, that's belief based upon the evidence which you've gained in a lifetime of experience with planes and with uh, knowledge of the fact that planes are built by good engineers to scientific principles. Uh, you, you don't need to call that faith, you only not need to invoke faith when when there isn't evidence, when you say, there's no evidence, I just believe it because I believe it because I believe it. If, if there's evidence to believe it, then Why would you
0: order with faith? I think that what you describe as belief on evidence is what the Bible calls faith. I think your definition of faith is not one that any Christian theologian would recognize, and I don't think it's there in the Bible. And I think when someone says, I believe because I believe because I believe because I believe, we all end up in trouble. So I think you and I are agreed on that. Where we would disagree is you don't think that I have the evidence to believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, and I would disagree obviously a, a, a lifetime of experience more or less now and a lifetime of study has convinced me of that more than ever. But I, I think as human beings we have capacity to think. What I appreciate about your books, I don't appreciate, I, well actually I, no, I do appreciate the emotive tone, but, but, but what I appreciate about your books is yeah. the ability that you have to provoke people to think because I regard that as being my job as well. Um, I, I think that as we go on and explore the possibilities and look at things, that it makes much more sense to believe, uh, not in gods in general, but to believe in, I would say, the, the God of the Bible. So I agree with your definition of belief, but I think that's the biblical definition of faith. Uh, I'd be interested to know what you think of that. You see, Dawkins has his fundamentalist beliefs, and one of those beliefs is, if there's evidence to believe it, why would you need faith? Only his definition of faith counts. All right, my number 86 song is Highway 61 Revisited. Not by Bob Dylan. Di- well, the song's by Bob Dylan, but I much prefer the Dave Alvin version. Here's a little bit of that.
4: God said Abraham, kill me a son. And Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. God said, no. Abe said, what? God said, you can do what you want, Abe, but next time you see me coming, You better run Ape said where you want this killing done and God said out on highway 61 Just Sam, he had a bloody nose, and the welfare department wouldn't give him no clothes. So he asked poor Howard, "Where can I go?" And Howard said, "There's only one place I know." And Sam said, "Tell me quick, man, I gotta run." Well, old Howard just pointed with his gun and said, "That way." down Highway 61 Well Mac the fingers said to Louis the King I got forty red, white, and blue shoe strings And a thousand telephones that don't ring Now, do you know where I could maybe get rid of these things? Louis the King said, let me think for a minute, son. And he said, yeah, I think it can be easily done. Just take everything down the highway 60.
0: Right, before we go, I think we've mentioned religion, but I do have to say this. Um, It's been horrendous to see that TB Joshua, uh, one of the biggest, well, Nigeria's biggest Christian tele-evangelist, the BBC have done a series of three programs on him. They are horrendous. I managed to watch one and a half, and I gave up. Uh, Joshua was unbelievably evil, just evil, and yeah he yeah nothing nothing to do with Christianity other than the fact that so many Christians were taken in by him beware false prophets my seek question this week was God and swearing what does the Bible say about God and swearing uh, we talk about that uh, the article well it's in the book but the article is also on the website um I i can I indulge your patience by <laughs> just telling you a story that uh it was quite funny. Um, I loved going to Dens Park, the home of the famous Dundee FC. You should always expect bad language at a football match, whether it's an individual or a collective chant. But uh, I was there with my daughter, Emma Jane, and there was a group of young men behind us swearing and shouting nonstop. I was just about to move because it was so bad that another young man, until another young man in front of us stood up, turned around, pointed at them and said, use shut up, stop that swearing. Can't you see there's a beep, beep, beep wee lassie here and she doesn't need to hear that beep, beep, beep kind of language. He then went on to swear at them in similar vein for a couple of minutes before realizing he was swearing at his colleagues for swearing. He then turned to me and said, sorry, mate, but I couldn't stop laughing. But it is sad how foul language has just become so common. All right, I am going to... uh, Love you and leave you. I, I normally finish with a Christian song. This isn't a Christian song. Uh, by the way, on speaking, uh, the, the verse I quote is Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Um. Yeah, may that be true. May that be true for this podcast. You know, if I've said anything wrong, forgive me. If I've said anything to offend you unnecessarily, forgive me. Um, but... You know, we just want people to come and to know. I hope i said nothing that makes you swear. Uh, We are going to finish with a Metallica song, not a Christian song. I already mentioned Lars, the drummer from Denmark in in Metallica. Thanks to Peter for producing this again. Thanks for all the responses. For those who contribute, you can go to the fundraiser to do that. Um, Go to the I was going to say, go to the website www.theweeflea.com or my email is the, theweefly at gmail.com. And I'll leave you with this final piece of music. Um, nothing matters. I mean, a- astonishingly, this has had 1.2 billion views on YouTube. Um, it's a beautiful song, but uh, it depends how you interpret the lyrics. but So close, no matter how far Couldn't be much more from the heart Forever trusting who we are No, I I ain't going to trust who we are (laughs) That's what John Cleese was saying It's human beings who failed And nothing else matters Well, yeah, it does Never open myself this way Life is ours, we live it our way So sad, don't do that All these words I just don't say And nothing else matters Trust I seek and I find in you Now, if that was about Christ It would be brilliant But it's not Every day for us something new. Again, about Christ and the new creation. Open mind for a different view. Well, do that, please. You're not a Christian, you listen to this. Open your mind for a different view. And nothing else matters. And they go on saying, say, never cared for what they do, never cared for what they know. But as a Christian, I do care for what people do. And I do care for what they know. And that's the whole point of this podcast. So, Enjoy a bit of this. We better not play it all. I think for copyright reasons we're not allowed to, but you can go and we'll put the link on and you can go and see it on YouTube yourself and add yourself to the 1.2 billion. God bless you and see you next week. By the way, please do review this podcast if you haven't done so already and please do pass it on to others. See you next week. Bye.
4: That's